You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, everyone? Jose Youngster, MMAfighting.com, here with another episode of the A-Side Live Chat. I'm sure you guys were watching my mouth move, but weren't hearing me talk. But uh, Pizza Carroll has, of course, returned. Pizza, what have you been up to since last we saw you? I know last week we had a quote-unquote extra live episode of the A-Side Live Chat because Alex Savas was wonderful on. Uh, she made her A-Side debut. Uh, Absolutely. Pizza, what have you been doing? Nothing much, just watching a shitload of fights and, you know, trying to break a lot of news, which has been slightly successful this week. But, um, you know, excited about the, the return of Rug Rug, which we announced, uh, we, we reported yesterday. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Oh, it never stops, does it, Pizzi? No, it does not. Well, Alex killed it last week. We had a pretty good uh, response. I'm sure she'll be back. A lot of people are wondering where... Uh, when I said at, when I had posted Alex was returning, some people thought it or was making the, her debut. Some people thought I was referring to the bad boy, Alex Kaylee. And that would be Scott. a diss because he has been on plenty of times, has Alex? He's been on plenty of times, as Pizzi has said, but he'll be back nonetheless eventually. Maybe when Pizzi's finally, when the police finally catch up with Pizzi, we're going to need uh, a replacement. <laughs> true, true, true. But anyway, uh, of course, this is not our podcast. This is your all's podcast. Uh, people also, I people always also remind me that we we have people listen. They don't just watch. So shout out to all the people listening on Spotify and Google Play and Apple Podcasts and all that. But of course, this is not our podcast. This is yours. You can leave your comment in the comment section on MMAfighting.com or you can use hashtag the A side on Twitter. Lately, we've been getting more Twitter questions than questions on the site. So without further ado, PC, we're going to jump right into the questions. From Clev21 on the site, headline is Jones. It appears somewhere along the way, John Jones has taken a step back. Do you believe it's a matter of, of him losing focus or motivation or the division catching up to his skills? Or perhaps his downturn can be pointed to the emergence of USADA. What say you? So yes, PC Carroll, of course, you watched for the second fight in a row. John Jones squeaked out a decision. And I say squeaked out a decision. Uh mostly on this one because a lot of people believe he actually lost to Dominic Reyes. I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. But uh, to answer this man's questions, uh, what is going on with John Jones? Yeah, I mean, it's, we don't know, I guess, but it is, um, I mean, there are some pretty good theories. I mean, is it a lack of motivation? Is Father Time catching up with John Jones? Um, you know, we, we have to note that this guy is the most uh, tested athlete, according to Jeff Nowitzki. And, um, you know, it hasn't been a resounding Jones over the last few performances. And you got to wonder what that's about. Is he taking these guys too lightly? Like, he, he seemed nearly insulted by Reyes, uh, suggesting that he had an edge anywhere against him in the lead-up to this fight. But, um, you know, he was very equal to the challenge. As we said, it's a, it's a very controversial outcome. Uh, people weighing in left, right, and center. And, and look, it, it's not the not the first controversial outcome or that, that Jones has had in the last year or so. So, yes, it, it does it does feel as though maybe um, something is up. Is the gap between him and the contenders a lot less in disparity than we thought it was? Or is he simply not getting up for these fights? Um, it's hard to know, but... Um, I, I don't know. I feel like every time we've seen the guy in a rematch, we've seen a different side of him, right? He's come out so resoundingly against Gustafsson, so resoundingly against Cormier. Um, I guess by booking a Reyes rematch, which seems to be definitely the flavor of the month now after what's happened compared to all the heavyweight talk we had before this, um, I think we'll answer some of those questions, as in he will want to go in there and definitively answer that question, I believe. 
Well, I think our our, our camera, uh, Casey Ladd, made an excellent point with this whole John Jones is better in rematch talk. A, the first John Gustafson fight, what, there was like six, seven years between fights. So yes. it wasn't an immediate rematch. He's never really had the immediate rematch. Uh, and then the the technically, the second fight with Daniel Cormier, he didn't officially win if you look at the fight finder, uh, as Casey Lyon is would point out multiple times on the coffee talk. Uh, but nonetheless, he did win more most more violently than the first time. He did put a, an exclamation point on that fight, but he's never had the immediate rematch right away. Uh, I don't think this is a matter of John Jones not taking his opponent seriously. Uh, maybe he, his training camp was a little different. I noticed uh, Israel Martinez wasn't in his corner. Uh, his longtime wrestling coach. Uh, maybe he Man. thought he didn't. Maybe he thought he didn't need a wrestling coach. Uh, against Dominic Reyes, a predominantly uh, striking heavy fighter, uh, but then he was shooting him for those takedowns nonetheless. Uh, but I think there's, I, and I don't know, I'm just speaking all, uh, on this at, from looking on the outside looking in. Uh, even before Dominic Reyes, this Dominic Reyes fight, what were the fights that John, like the first fight John Jones had, not struggled, but showed glimpses of uh, being human was that Lyoto Machida fight. Uh, I think he clearly lost the first round uh, when he got clipped by that, 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 Roy Hunt. That flurry that came in. Leota Machida, a predominantly southpaw fighter. Uh, and then Ovin St. Preux, a southpaw fighter. Uh, probably his weakest performance inside the octagon in terms of excitement and dominance. Uh, and then Tiago Santos switches a lot. Uh, clearly showed signs of uh, didn't know what to do with Tiago Santos. I know a lot of people say Santos won 1-2-5. Uh, but I don't think it was nearly as controversial as this fight with Dominic Reyes. And the Dominic Reyes, I asked him at the, at the fighter panel... Uh, he is a southpaw like he tweets southpaw precision when he knocked out chris weidman and i was like do you think john jones struggles with southpaws and he goes well we'll find out on saturday he gave one of those answers uh and then you saw uh john jones uh looked more human than ever before i don't know if it's a southpaw thing but just looking back through his previous fights john jones has historically shown signs of not being this world beater against southpaws I was watching your beautiful face um, uh, as I was watching the main event. You were cage side. What was the mood like as the fight is playing out there? Were you sitting there thinking, wow, I'm about to see the king dethroned? I mean, what was the atmosphere in Houston? Uh, watching it from the octagon side, that third round, which seems to be the controversial round, seemed a lot closer. Uh, and then I rewatched the whole second and third round and I was like oh wow the third round didn't the second round didn't seem close at all and I scored the third round for Reyes watching it uh, through the broadcast but uh, Octagon side it felt a lot closer than I thought it was uh, there were huge John Jones chants throughout the arena and then as the fight went on you start to hear Reyes chants Reyes chants let's go Dominic let's go Dominic so I think the crowd sensed they were about to witness John Jones be dethroned well, well, and um, like yeah, you, you're. I, I see. Um, I know we're probably not getting onto it yet, but I, you, you kind of mentioned it there. The second round is up for debate, and I just don't see how that's going for Jones. I don't either. I don't uh, see. How it's- Casey, I, Casey, Esther, I, Alex, and I watched it in Houston. The literally the next day before coffee talk, we were like, oh wow, like even John Anik was like, yeah, the second round is a swing round, and we watched it. And we were like, how? Like, what are you? What are you? You can watching? understand. You can understand Anik maybe getting lost, maybe thinking it's the, you know, the third or something. You're just on on fight night. You know how it is yourself. Your your head's all over the place when you're trying to keep up with these, especially a five round fight. But um, yeah, it's so you you're sitting there just just so we can get this the, the in my head. 
And you're basically awaiting them to say the winner by unanimous decision, Dominic Reyes, and you. Um, I didn't know. When it was over, I didn't know who won, but I thought the judges would give it to Dominic considering, uh, yes, his back was to the cage the whole time, but that's how John Jones, that's how Dominic Reyes likes to fight. I thought Dominic Reyes might get the decision, but based on the judging the whole night, I had no idea because the one judge gave, I'm sure we'll get into it, but like there was yeah. one judge that gave James Krause, that said James Krause lost the first round. One game, judge gave Andre Ewell all three rounds. That's so actually, I didn't know. That's what's upsetting me the most about this whole thing, to be honest, James Krause. Like, I mean, that was, um, that should have been one of the big takeaways from that whole weekend. It was unbelievable to watch it as it was happening. And, um, you know, it's very deflating uh, when you hear about that scoring, to be honest. Uh, someone in the, in the YouTube comment section, Reyes had a couple good rounds, gassed out, and didn't engage for the rest of the fight. Jones won, controlled the octagon, won's round three, four, and five. So some people do think John Jones wins. I don't like this whole narrative that you have to beat the champ to become the champ, or maybe he lo- if even if he lost, even if he did quote unquote gas out in rounds four and five, I still think he won rounds one, two, and three. And if you're looking at this fight as it, as as it's scored, where you have to look at each round individually. And score them individually, like, like he won, like one, two, three, and then say he did cruise four and five, like that shouldn't mean he lost just because he didn't blitz out the gate in rounds four and five. Yeah, and and to be fair, I, I credit Jones for his um, his ability to rally in four and five. He did very well in four and five. Um, it's one of the most impressive things about him that he never seems out. Of, you know, it never seems out of a fight. I guess he's always bringing it um, in those last ten minutes, those championship rounds. I thought he was. He was brilliant, but uh, as you say, that doesn't disturb the way I had scored the first three rounds of the fight. So, um, you know, I, look, a lot of people are saying robbery. I don't know if you're going to call it a robbery. It's a close fight. They happen all the time. I mean, as I believe it was me and Casey on uh, a previous coffee talk, we were talking about, you know, you can have a 30-27 and it can be a razor close fight, you know, yeah. based on what happens it happens in the cage. Um, I think... You know, MMA fans are too quick to to be outraged constantly. At every every weekend, we're we're calling for people's jobs. We're you know everything. I, I just feel like I don't know if that's a robbery, um, but I do see some issues with the car- the scorecards on the night, of course, and, and with the commission. It's pretty fifty fifty. Looking at the YouTube comments right now, someone says if it was a fight to the death, uh, Tyler Serrani says if it was a fight to the death, Reyes would be dead right now. John Sue says Reyes. But that's won not flip. that's not in the judging criteria. They don't exactly. have a part that says if he's close to death, scored a ten nine round. You know, it, there's exactly. absolutely nothing to do with the criteria there. Look, S S Saxman I think put it perfectly. Pride scoring Jones wins. This is score round by round. Therefore, Reyes won hands down. So yes, like you're not looking at the fight like it's not a fight to the death. It's round by round. And if you do round by round, I think Dominic Reyes wins three to two. It's similar to the, um, but then like score can come in all wonky and stuff like that. Like if you look at the, uh, what the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, the first fight, I think if you're going, if you're just giving one point per round, I think Tyson Fury wins more rounds, but because Wilder had those two 10 eights, it comes into a draw. So it just, yeah. it just depends. It's, it, this is, there's rules. It's not like you can, like in baseball, you score one run in every inning, and then you yeah, score no runs absolutely. in the ninth. Yeah. So you're winning eight to nothing. That. You're yeah. winning eight to nothing in the ninth, and then all of a sudden the opposing team scores ben, seven runs run. in the ninth. It gets seven, seven home, seven gets up. seven straight solo shots, and you lose eight to seven. No, you still lost. And then three pointer. Yeah. 
I don't have to tell PT about American sports. No, no, you don't. Uh, definite end zone stuff there. Oh, uh, you should. Uh, when we were in Houston, uh, Casey, Esther, and Alex had to deal with me when I found out how, that Mookie Betts was traded to the Dodgers. Uh, oh, I see you tweeting about this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what was going on. I was, I like, was absolutely demoralized like my heart my heart was shattered and I, I was tweeting about it and people like from your side of the pond or people that don't like sports thought my dog died because they <laughs> thought i they thought i had a dog named mookie and i was like no mookie bets that my fit the greatest player in the red sox have had in years was just traded for peanuts anyway that's neither here nor there moving on from trumbo uh longtime commenter and again the questions in green are getting prioritized uh, initial thoughts on Gegard Mousasi versus uh, Lima for the title. Love this fight. Gegard has not been very active since joining Bellator. So, yes, Pizzi, I'm sure you heard the news. Uh, Lima, uh, Douglas Lima, reigning Bellator welterweight champion, is moving up to challenge Gegard Mousasi for the vacant Bellator middleweight championship of the world after Rafael Lovato Jr. relinquished the title due to an ongoing medical condition. Uh, we wish him well, nonetheless, regardless of his fight career, just want someone to get healthy uh, and live a normal life. But what do you make of this fight between Lima and Musasi? I'm not trying to say, I'm not I'm trying not to use this colorful language. I'll leave that to you, but I absolutely love this fight. Yeah, I really like it. Um, and. It feels like there is a lot of guys coming, uh, you know, in the ranks at middleweight there, but they haven't just declared themselves as that contender yet. You know what I mean? So I think Lima deserves a, a profile boosting fight. He obviously had one against MVP and then had to win the belt again against uh, Rory in the rematch. But uh, I feel like this is the right way to go with him. And it really will underline how elite he is if he can do to Masasi what Rory couldn't, right? Like, I mean... Before Rory fought Musasi, we were thinking this is going to be a very competitive fight, right? And then Musasi pretty much um, overwhelmed him, I felt, on the night. I thought Musasi was incredible in that fight. So I feel as though you're Douglas Lima, you're stepping up to uh, a new weight division, um, you know, a higher weight class. There's a dominant champion there, or a champion there at least, I guess he's only, um, but there's a vacant title, sorry. But um, there's a guy there that's dominant in the division. If you can go in there and win, you look amazing. And look, if, if it doesn't go your way, you've really lost no ground anyway. So I think it's a great booking from Bellator. Yeah, uh, the, it's it's interesting that if if Lima wins, I tweeted this, if, if Lima wins uh, and then Ryan Bader's also fighting on the card, if he retains his light heavyweight championship, and I'm blanking on who Ryan Bader's fi- fighting right now. And it's Nemkov. Out. Nemkov. Uh, if Ryan Bader retains and Douglas Lima or Douglas Lima wins, that means every Bellator championship from heavyweight to featherweight would be controlled by three fighters. Because Bader crazy, would be heavyweight, light heavyweight, Lima would be middleweight and welterweight, and then Pitbull, uh, Patricio Pitbull would be lightweight, featherweight. That would be six titles being controlled by three men. And if this happens in the UFC, that is a massive, like, logjam of like contenders like having to fight one another and we wouldn't we would not get as many title fights but i think it works and it's awesome it's awesome in bellator i don't think it would work very well in the ufc yeah um what did you think of the tweet that went out beforehand the picture of usman and lima <laughs> and then kind of coker piggybacking off the back of that well they won't make as if he sat down with the ufc and tried to make the fight you know right like <laughs> 
I, I, I want that fight. I want cross-promotional fights. Like, I would oh, love, love it. I would love seeing, like, Lima and Musa, uh, Usman. Or, like, imagine, like, Wonder Boy versus MVP. Or, like, Masvidal and, like, I don't know, anyone. Like, yeah. like, like there's a lot of great fights in that Bellator versus UFC. UFC's never going to do it because what do they have to gain? Nothing. Nothing. They don't cross promote <laughs> with anyone. They're not going to cross promote yeah. with anyone. They wouldn't do it. Liked, for... I have liked the fact that Bellator are doing with Ryzen, and there has been talks yeah. about KSW doing with Bellator as well, which I feel is a no-brainer with both of these guys trying to tap into Western Europe at the moment. I think KSW has um, has that pretty much as Eastern Europe locked down, and they're both trying to get into Western Europe now. So I feel like. That that's a thing that makes absolute sense for them is, to do. Is Phil DeFree still the champion of KSW? Yeah, and I mean that's what I mean. Uh, like it's him and Bader would be and awesome. Oh, it would be incredible. Yeah, it would be absolutely incredible. And they need like they need things like this as well. Um, both promotions because I feel like DeFree's uh, doesn't have a lot of guys left he can actually fight. He's destroyed all the the really dominant Polish guys over there. And Bader's run out of options as well. Like I mean, it's not like we're like oh this guy is next at heavyweight, you know. So. Why not? If they could do it, uh, they should. I think it would be brilliant. And it, it kind of, it makes UFC look like the odd one out, right? If, if all these other promotions are doing it for the good of the fan um, and UFC aren't. The only thing the UFC has uh, that the other promotions don't, like you've been saying, is they're not running out of matchups yes, for their champions. that like, is true. Like, well, apart from Valentina, right? Apart from Valent, but not not even. I still think there's a handful of female fi- women yep, fighters I yep, would love to see. Jennifer Maya, Roxanne Mataferi, but Well, I don't I know guess- if Jennifer Maya is going to fight a flyweight next Ooh, because she's yes. missed weight a handful of times. But like, there's the no, the, there's a narrative there for Roxanne. Joanne Calderwood has not, ha- the UFC's. I feel like has been trying to get her a title fight for years. She just keeps losing those number one contender fights. I don't think Valentina's done is out of opponents yet. But like, you're talking about like featherweight bantamweight welterweight it's like throw a dart at a board and anyone in the top five you could get a title shot no problem yeah that's true that's true and on, on valentina i think but it sounds things we interviewed her on uh Eurobash on tuesday it came out um does sound like jojo was likely there and that's a good fun fight i feel like for the flyweight division you know i like that scrap a lot uh i wish yeah. it was Ro- i wish it was roxanne uh, I think Roxanne is the most popular, is like, has never been more popular. And I think strike while the iron's hot. And I know Kevin Lee has said that he took this fight against Charles Oliveira in Brazil because the UFC promised that he would get Islam Makachev on the next Russia, card in Russia uh, because he's doing this this bit where he goes to all these fighters like enemy territory to fight their fighter. Like he did it with Greg Gillespie in New York. Now he's doing it with Charles Oliveira in Brazil. And he wants Islam in Russia. Like when we presented that fight to him in New York, he's like, will it be in Russia? And we said, probably not. He goes, I don't know if I want that fight then. Uh, But if it's in Russia, he would take it. And I think if the UFC is already planning this Russian card, Roxanne Modafari beat Valentina's sister in Russia. I think Valentina versus Roxanne in the main event of of an ESPN Plus card in Russia uh, with Kevin Lee, Islam Makhachev is the co-main event. If Kevin Lee gets past Charles Oliveira, like, there you go. You're welcome, UFC. That's very good, yeah. That's, and that's really what they need for Valentina. They need compelling stories as well. Um, I do feel as though, like, you know, I think it would be impossible to pick against Valentina Shevchenko in any fight at flyweight at the moment, though. And her first title fight against Dika Bantanio was, like, 
that short notice fight where Sajara Eubanks had to pull out and like they kind of got matched up at the last minute. Uh, I, I believe Roxanne was actually supposed to fight Lauren Murphy on that tough finale before she got the title fight. And then she's been losing to fighters that have missed weight. Like she fought Sajar Eubanks. Yeah. Sajar Eubanks missed weight. She fights Jennifer Maya. Jennifer Maya misses weight. She loses out on the Liz Carmouche fight because Liz Carmouche gets pulled to fight Valentina in Uruguay. So I feel like Roxanne's getting the short end of the stick a lot with her opponents missing weight. And she's she she was my, like we, like when we were in Vegas together. Macy was minus a thousand favorite, and Roxanne wins. And if you look at our YouTube numbers, outside of like Connor and Cowboy and Dana, Roxanne did the best in terms of post-fight scrums. I think she's never been more popular. I think that's the fight to make. The storyline is there, but I don't. I like the fight with JoJo and Valentina. I just think that's a super awesome high-level striking competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, like even what you're saying um, about the missing weight thing. You remember. Uh, Roxanne celebrating as if she yeah. basically won the fight already at the weigh-in just because her opponent made weight. It was incredible. And uh, she even said, like, Lauren Murphy, who won, which if no one brings up Lauren Murphy, Andrea Lee, I'll bring it up at the end. Uh, but Lauren Murphy called out Roxanne Modafari, and Roxanne then tweeted, like, I'll fight you as long as you make weight and don't step on my foot. I don't know what the step on my foot <laughs> thing means, but... Lauren's like, of course I'm going to make weight. I never miss weight. So you know that that's always going to be in the back of Roxanne's mind, her opponent possibly missing weight. As uh, it should be, man. As it should be. But moving on, uh, we're getting a lot of questions about these. There's a lot of questions regarding the scorecard. So we'll we'll talk. Clev 21, rounds one through three. Did either of you score any of the rounds for Jones? Why or why not? Why or why not? And then Zaku Kokegi, why were the first rounds typed in and the rest of the scores handwritten? That I don't know. Uh, so, but we're getting a lot of questions for about this scorecard. So, Pizzi, what did you make of the judges' scorecards? Two judges gave it 48-47 to Jones. One judge gave it 49-46 to Jones. Your thoughts? I had a uh, 48-47 to Reyes. Uh, first three rounds, um, I felt like he was landing the more effective strikes. Um, so that's that's why I picked him. What did you make of forty nine forty six? I don't know. Like I've, tr- I think I've watched it four times now as well. The whole fight? Yeah. Well, yeah, bits and pieces. Like I mean, we watched it again before Eurobash, and I, I watched it again um, on the morning of Eurobash, and I've watched it again now. Um, I don't know. Like the basically, I'm, I'm watching a lot. The first three rounds, I'd say, is the majority of what I watched, but the. I just don't understand the second round. I can see the third round being more debatable than the second. I just don't get it, uh, the, the second round. The third round is the is the close one for me. Watching it live, uh, Octagon side, I thought it was a lot closer than it was, but upon re-watching it with Casey and Esther and Alex, I think Ray has won. Uh, but right there, Set- imme- immediately, I'm like, I don't know who won that fight. I was talking to like other media people around me, like... Uh, the Schmo and I were talking, Octagon side, he goes, that third, we were pretty 50-50 on that third round. Uh, there was another writer, local reporter, who was like, I don't know, like, he's like, oh, John's broke his nose, like, he has to win, heart of the champion. I'm just like, it's not how this works, guy. Uh, he might have lost that round. So, but it seemed <laughs> to be pretty, and then if I, and then going through, if you watch the, the, the press conference, the post-fight press conference, we were killing a lot of time, so uh, Casey just gave me the mic, like we normally do. He's like, go kill time and just start talking to like the, our YouTube commenters. It was like 19,000 people watching. And I was like, who do you guys think won? Like, write Reyes if you think Reyes won. And write Jones if you thought Jones won. And it was just like, 
just like a just like four like four thousand comments in a row of just Ray as one two three, like a sprinkling in of Jones like uh, three four five, and then I walked around asking all the media. I bet I think ninety percent of the media had Ray as one. There were a handful that believed John won, and then Mike Jackson, former UFC vet, said Jones won four four rounds to one. And then our YouTube comments just like rinsed him, and I was like, "Well, be nice, guys, be nice." Uh, but yes. it was it was vastly majority Ray as one, especially in the YouTube comments. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going. This is a robbery. This is this is outrageous. But uh, I think the 49, 40, 46 guy is pretty outrageous. It was. Uh, yeah, I like how Ray is just like who, Ray is in the press conference. Is like, who are you? Uh, I think I'd like to have a word with you, sir. And I was like, "Ooh, get him!" Did Reyes? Did Reyes? Like, I know, obviously, um, he's not going to be able to see it this way for a long time. But did he gain a lot because he now is the sympathetic figure here? He is. He's the guy everyone's like. He he should have won. He should have won. And now, now everybody is, as I said, gone off the the heavyweight thing. In fact, people are saying like. Uh, if John goes to heavyweight, he's, he's going to get destroyed by someone like Nganu, destroyed by someone like Stipe. Um, has this kind of guaranteed him um, another shot at the title and, and a lot more eyeballs on him um, if he if he does, like, you know, well, just a lot more eyeballs on him. I, I can see your face there, as I say, the immediate rematch. Um, and look, form dictates that that probably won't happen when you look right. at his other fights. But um, it certainly should, you'd feel, right? I mean, it's... It certainly feels as though it, it, the, the public tourist for the rematch is, is, is huge at the moment. I want the rematch. I want the immediate rematch very badly. Uh, I think it really depends on how this Rio Rancho card goes uh, and if Dana White wants to make that fight. Uh, John is was he went on this, not tirade, but like he was posting a lot on Twitter yesterday. He said he rewatched the fight and he's more confident than ever before that he won. Uh, three, three to four, three rounds to one, or four to one, four to one. I don't, I don't, I don't remember his exact terms. Uh, but then a fan was like, uh, "Why don't you rematch him and just put an end to the conversation?" And then he got, and, and then John was like, "Someone call Uncle Dana, get out the checkbook." Like, so I think it's up to Dana. I think we really want to see how this light heavyweight fight between uh, Jones and Jan Blakovitz goes, or Corey Anderson and Jan Blakovitz in Real Rancho, because John is going to be there. He said. Uh, if Corey Anderson goes out there and does what he did to uh, Johnny Walker, I wouldn't be surprised if they give it to Corey Anderson, especially because John Jones has already was already talking about Corey Anderson even before he fought uh, Reyes. He's like, I want to break the chip off of Corey Anderson's shoulders, this and that. But if it goes out there and it's like another snooze, if it's a snooze fest, or if Jan does, if it's another like Jan versus Jacare fight, I bet they do the rematch with Reyes. I just think it really depends on how the real Rancho card goes. Yeah, um, here this is one um, I was thinking about the on the Sunday after it. Before that fight, I thought Jones was the pound for pound best fighter in the UFC. Did you? Yeah, I still do. Do you? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm trying to think. Has it has this taken away that the the fact that there's two controversial wins back to back? Um, I don't know. The has, has that the taken only away thing from that this is- argument? The only thing that has changed for me is now when John is about to like before this weekend or uh, I even thought like I don't see like Reyes could win, but I just I don't see it happening. Now, I the thought of John Jones losing has never been more prevalent in my mind. Like I don't but I still put like he won like he officially won. That's a W on his record books. So I still have him number one pound for pound. 
Mm. I don't mm. think well, his standing in the in the rankings changes. Mm. Yeah. Who would be know. above him? Habib? Yeah, maybe. If he beats, uh, beats Tony, he's going to have a, a good argument, right? If he be, if he goes out there and just dusts Tony and like, or he taps him or just like mauls him for, that's a different conversation. But I think right now John <laughs> is still that. I think John is still no, number one. Uh, but dare, anything else? Dare we speak of our excitement levels just yet for that one? No, or? because that fight's that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grin N on the on the cycles. What decision win was more controversial? GSP winning a split over Johnny or Jones winning a unanimous decision against Reyes? At the time, I can remember GSP Johnny. There was absolute murder over that, wasn't there? I can remember. Just... I was there for that UFC 167, and I think that one sticks out to me more just because of Dana White after the fight. Like, just call like compl- like because also George retired after that fight. Uh, it was madness. And, and and Dana was like, "How can you retire?" And then like, remember he was like, "George is being taken to the hospital," and then all of a sudden George shows up at the press conference like. Moments after Dana White is just throwing him under the bus and rinsing him oh alive, and then George is like, "It's like Dana White looks like just looks super embarrassed." They just talked all this trash on George, his champion, calling him out for retiring, and then all of a sudden George shows up when Dana White said he wasn't showing up. So I think that one sticks out to me more, uh, and it might be more controversial. Uh, I don't know though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to gauge a kind of you know side by side because it's just so long ago. But um, yeah, it's it's a good it's a good comparison though, definitely. definitely. There's some people were saying this was the biggest controversy since uh, that fight and the Diaz Condit fight. Oh, remember that one too? Yeah, that was wild. That was uh, that was, that was that wild for the interim title. Like both, like these three fights seem to be the most controversial as of late. But it might not even be the most in terms of. Like this is more controversial on this on 247 because the title is on the line. It was John Jones, more eyes were on and everything. But if you're looking at like the most egregious error, I think in judging, I still think it's Andrew Lee Lauren Murphy. Just based off what I'm seeing, like if you go on MMADecisions.com, every single media member, every single one, scored it for Andrea Lee. And half of them had it 30-27, Andrea. And the two of those judges gave it to Lauren Murphy to win. Like, And that's the fight that Joe Rogan called out one of the judges for being on his phone and not watching. If yeah. that is the case, I think this is the most controversial of the night in terms of discrepancy between fans and media and the two judges that scored it for the winning fighter. Yeah, maybe. But I think we should say that... Um... That the monitor issue, right? The uh, the commission have come out and talked about the floor monitors that they give them. Also, Ben Cartledge, one of the most the, the most respected judge in Europe, has said that he definitely was given floor monitors when he was refereeing in the. I mean, sorry, judging in the UFC. So you just uh, get that out there as well, because yep. I feel like that kind of adds to the hysteria, you know, when, when you got stuff like this. So that guy seems to have been doing his job, probably not very well, but doing his job nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, and. But you're but see here's the thing you and I, we know that fans don't know that. So <laughs> they're Joe gonna. Joe should know it, right? Like Joe should fucking like he's sitting just there. But Casey, Joe Rogan doesn't lie, obviously. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Pete, well, like Pete, like Joe Rogan is is. 
Joe Rogan is infallible, apparently. So when he calls, and if Joe Rogan has one of the biggest platforms in, on planet, not even just MMA, if he says something, a lot of people are going to listen and believe him. Elk and DMT, baby, all day long. Oh, God. Well, a lot of what's next for John? We already answered that. Santos and Reyes, Anderson versus Blakovich. So I'll I'll ask I'll I'll ask you this then, because a lot of people are asking what's next for John. What if if they don't book the rematch right away? What's next for Reyes? I think the only reason they wouldn't book the rematch straight away is John going with the heavyweight. So the winner of Corey and Jan gets Reyes, I guess. I think, it, again, it depends on what happens. I think if Cor- if the winner of that fight gets John next, maybe the loser gets Reyes, or I like the winner of Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira in the main event of UFC Lincoln. Uh, I think the winner of that could fight Reyes. I just like that fight. Uh, Smith fought, fought John Jones five rounds. Glover Teixeira fought John Jones five rounds. Uh, Glover Teixeira got beaten up badly and anthony smith uh wasn't didn't have the doors blown off him so uh three former john jones opponents uh the winner of that fighting dominic reyes uh maybe for another title shot down the road i think would be a fun fight but again it really matters i think we're we're gonna have we're gonna know a lot more after this ufc real rancho card yeah yeah it's kind of like i feel bad for yan and Corey because Ahead of this fight, when we've been talking about this fight every week and lead up to it, we're talking about the implications it has on being Jones' next opponent. But this is feels like it's nearly obscured it before it even happens, you know? Agreed. Agreed. Like you know? now but now there's gonna be a lot more eyeballs looking at this fight. Like if if they put a if they put a big performance on and they, they race any talk of the immediate rematch, or if they go out there and have like a five round snooze fest. It's. I feel like. I feel like the winner of that fight is going to have to put on a spectacular performance to leapfrog. It's just over, not going to uh, have the same amount of eyeballs on it, right? Yes. Like it's just not. Like I mean, it's just not going to going to be the same. But what they thing. might have is if John Jones is sitting there octagon side, and they show John watching the fight, and they show the two kind of getting in. And what if John Jones enters the octagon after to stare down with his next opponent? This and that. It could be a lot of. It, it's it, we're gonna know a lot more after this fight card i think um but well that but, would be him forcing the narrative if you ask me if he if he did show up there that would be a big indicator as to where he wants to go that would be a big indicator as to his roadmap because surely if they were like john we need you to sit case so for this fight um because you know it's going to determine your next opponent he'd be like i'm absolutely not sitting case so then because i'm going to fight dominic reyes next yeah you're not wrong you're not you know? wrong from Absolutely. SJY on the site, who will be the first person to beat John Jones? Reyes, Santos, DC, someone else, or he goes undefeated for the rest of his career? Francis Ngannou. There you have it, folks. What about Stipe? He's gonna be his. He's not. He's not fit at the moment, right? I think it's his eyes. Uh, something about his vision. Yeah, that's that's a bad like like that worries me when I hear that stuff. Like to hear. In hindsight, what Michael Bisping was doing for years is fuck, is terrifying. You know, yeah. it really is. Um, and I've got nothing but respect for the guy, but it's it's very dangerous, man. Hopping over to Twitter, you can use hashtag the A side on Twitter, and we will look for your. Or you can just reply to the tweet with the link because that's what seems to be most people to do. From uh, young Niall McGrath on Twitter, <laughs> Jose, you might be my mentor and life coach. I will never be you in. I never be equal to you in uh, heights or fame. And I, by height, I mean like physical height. 
but I can't wait to punch you in the face. Uh, no. Well, Nile, uh, you might not Mixed be able to. Messages. You might you might not be able to reach. I like physically, you might not be able to reach. So uh, we'll cross that bridge if we ever stand side to side. Maybe I'll get down on my knees and you can throw you can throw a punch up. Lads, I'm not I'm not happy with this. This is <laughs> I can't have this civil war continuing. Hey, but, it's uh, on him, man. I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to better his life experience as a whole. He's the one coming at me foul. Look, I, I never said you didn't do that. You're constantly reaching out to him and guiding his career. I'm not yeah. trying to say that, but not even saying. his not even his journalistic career, like his life as a whole. Like <laughs> just a general life coach. <laughs> just a general like well, who's that tall cat that Conor Gregor always walks around with? Tony Robbins? John Kavanagh. Yeah, John <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like Nile, win or learn that's all i have to say <laughs> oh, i've got some twitter questions this week will, will i go to them uh well let me ask you this first from fan of mr stationary mr stationary long time twitter commenter pt doing his odd scissors move for we, all the we haven't listening. decided which one we've i like we've that one it. because it looks absolutely ridiculous <laughs> That one's the winner, so. <laughs> uh, interesting question. Wondering which trilogy would you like to see the most this year? Jones and Carmier. That's the trilogy you would want to see most in 2020? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's the perfect uh, note to retire on for Carmier, and it's a test that John has to get up for. Or, like, it will just eliminate that doubt, that, that question I have at the moment of, is this because he is not taking his opponents? Is he taking them too lightly? Um, I think the rematch would answer that, or, or the, the 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 Cormier fight. But I feel like a trilogy fight, a heavyweight John Jones, Daniel Cormier answers a lot of questions, and it's a good way for Cormier to leave the sport if he is just going to fight one more time. I like Stipe in DC a little more right now. I don't if it's until his eye is like I mean, alright, if he's fully fit, yeah. But um, I know I, I feel like Jones in DC. What about Connor and Nate? No. Yeah. No. No, he says. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I, I like it, but I don't like it more than them at the moment. Um. How about Machida uh, and Musasi? No, not it's not up there with them. No, to be honest. I agree. I'm just trying. I'm literally just trying to think of trilogies. Yeah, trying right to think now. of trilogies. Um, oh, you're you're gonna get up for Liz Carmouche and Valentina Part Three, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because the second one was so indecisive. What about worse what about than Jones? What about Valentina Nunez? The time could be very good for that one. Like, I mean, yeah, like like that would be very very good. I was thinking about that today, actually. Um, how big it might be now in comparison, right? Because they're on different levels now, both of them. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it shows Shevchenko in a very different light. She She's very different around Nunez. She's an absolute competitor. Like, the sport is what means the most for her. And um, I feel like we see a very different side of her when, when she's fighting Nuna as a person who has two wins over. It brings a completely different side of Shevchenko out. And, um, you know, with all this spy talk, it could be a good opportunity for her to play the heel because uh, she's right. such a nice person all the time. In all of her other fights, it might, yeah. be, it might be a different uh, viewpoint than her. Yeah, I don't know what's... I'm trying to think of other trilogies. Like, technically, Stipe JDS would be a trilogy, but I don't want to see that fight. Jermaine Durandamy and Nunes again. <laughs> oh wow, I forgot about. I keep. I always forget about their first fight. Um, yeah. Whitaker Romero would technically be a trilogy, but I don't want to see that. Um, 
yeah, not, I can't think of many trilogies off the top of my head. My answer is Stipe DC, because that, that could actually happen. I'm going DC Jones. Unless MVP and Lima just fight two times this year, then I'll see that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, man. I can't uh, I can't think of anything else outside of that. Shogun signs to Bellator, and we finally get Machida Shogun 3. So I don't like none of them are, are gonna beat our picks though, right? Like no. I mean, we could do this all day. No. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you got any questions on Twitter? I have so many. So you could, yeah. you can. What what do the go. people want to hear from PT Carroll? Um, this do you know who Rug Rug is? Of course, you've talked about him multiple times <laughs> on the show. So Rug Rug is a Senegalese wrestler who made his MMA debut against an established. French fighter called Sofiane Bokashu and basically broke the internet. He escaped a, a Kimura grip by slamming Bokashu on his head yeah. and then basically just ran, sprinted at him and threw punches until Bokashu was like just basically collapsed on the floor and couldn't take anymore. It was outrageous and now he's fighting a 5-0 guy on April 3rd, I believe it is, in Brussels, Belgium on Aries 2 and that was actually, that was initially earmarked to be one of the first major events in france but if you remember there was a month yeah, yeah. where it got put back and i think that obscured it but andy stevenson the great andy stevenson is asking us if you could match rug rug with someone in the ufc today who would it be and i know who i'd pick straight away lay it on me greg hardy wow that's not what i was would, expecting you to say that would be outrageous wouldn't it that would be that would be some <laughs> that would be a circus for sure <laughs> But, I mean, this guy's only 1-0 in MMA, so, I mean, sure, surely, surely. <clears throat> two athletes from two different backgrounds. Let's see how it goes. Hey, man. I know who I'm picking. Any other questions you got on Twitter before I hop back over to mine? Uh, loads, but we'll just do one more here, and then we'll go back over. From the great Philip O'Connor, who, who has frequented MMA fighting content in uh, f- fight weeks. The great could you ask? O'Connor. Yes. Could you ask Jose Youngs if there's any downside to uh, at all to being so damn sexy or is it a blessing every minute of every day? Hang on there. Is this what the people want to know? This is it. I just want to get the quotes ready for the article afterwards. Well, here's how to, here's how to do it, Phil. Um, dye your hair. Uh, put face. Put metal in your face, specifically on your nose and ear, and then get a bunch of ink put into your body, and then then you can get firsthand experience. Well, well, there you go. It's as simple as that, Phil. It's as simple See as that. You- See you with your new ink and hairstyle next week in Sweden. I really hope next time I see Phil, he just walks up and he goes, hello, fellow youths. And he's just sitting there with a bunch of like tattoos and face paints. I'd be like, dear God, what has happened to you, Phil? Are you okay, Phil? You look so beautiful. <laughs> I just go blind all of a sudden. Right, you go you go to Twitter and I'll, I'll uh, when, when you're so, on the well, look I'll against... ask our longtime commenter Sean Denny are we getting matching t-shirts for Rogue Rogue Mania Aries 2 in Brussels <laughs> do you know how many MMA people are going to this fight just to see Rogue Rogue I saw Sean who goes to all KSW events uh, Brad Warren the, the Cage Warriors commentator it seems like we've got a little frack going <laughs> over to watch this bad um it's uh, he's definitely injected a lot of excitement to the European scene with this announcement. I'll tell you that much. Tori's t-shirt <laughs> from Tori from Tori's lizard. Okay, I don't know what that means. Hey, PT and Jose, I want to know okay. if you think either of the Diaz brothers make a comeback in 2020. Only way uh, Nate Diaz's comeback is for uh, McGregor, right? McGregor or Masvidal? Yeah, um, Nick. I don't even want to see it. Nope. 
Uh, Poirier has been calling out Nate a lot. Uh, maybe that fight happens. I don't honestly know. I know money talks, but I know Nate is very adamant that the UFC never gives him rematches uh, and is pretty livid over that over that fact. So I think he comes back for Connor or uh, Jorge. I don't see him coming back if those two, if those fights aren't presented. So 100% no for Nick. I'd say 60% chance we are 40% chance uh, we see Nate. Yeah, like here's the thing. I feel like if I'm Conor McGregor's team, Nate is the natural next step here. Like I feel like that's the fight I'd be pulling for if I was Conor's team. For because I feel fight? like, yeah, like you know, like I don't. I, it's not my pre- preference. I don't think it's. It's not the fight I want to see the most uh, with Conor next. But I feel like his team. They've been in there with him twice. They have a good feel of what the fight would be like. I think. Just in theory, I think it's a more winnable fight than the other options that are out there at the moment for Connor. I agree. Uh, and then one final one before I kick it back to you, uh, specifically for you, uh, Pete. <clears throat> well, I'll answer it too, but I think you'll have a better sense of it. How much of a kick in the kick in the teeth is it for UK MMA fans that Wood v. Dotson fight is this weekend and not at UFC London? To make things worse, the fight isn't even on the Rio Rancho main card when a lot of UK fans would love this to be a UFC London co-main event. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. Um, both Arnold Allen and Josh Emmett, I know that that fight didn't come to fruition in the end. Um, Arnold ended up taking on Nick Lenz instead of winning that fight. I feel like Allen and Wood are essential. Like, you need to put those on the card. They need a spotlight. And they've just completely, completely overlooked that. Like, Nathaniel Wood's so synonymous with London. Like, anyone yeah. who's followed Cage Warriors, the regional scene... His whole identity within Cage Warriors is built around being this the the London guy. He was their London ticket seller. He's from London. <laughs> I think that that's a guy that has to be on that card. And this is the second, I think, for the second year in a row that he's been with the UFC. He hasn't. No, sorry, he he did fight. His last fight was in the London card. But um, look, he he's got to be on it. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a huge fight, and it's and it's buried on the undercard, as this guy has said. But we do have to make a counterpoint here that Dodson went to Prague to fight yeah. Peter Jan and yeah. it can't, you can't always have it one way you can't expect John Dodson to be flying all over the place to fight these up and coming prospects because he's the guy that's giving them this status when he you fight John Dodson if they come away with the win that's the profile boost for them um, him beating a Jan at that time or a Wood at that time doesn't do the same amount for him as a win over Dodson does for those guys. So I understand it from that point of view, but I feel with just a little bit more planning, we could have Arnold Allen and Nathaniel Wood in compelling fights on that card. And I think um, they missed a major, they missed a major beat by not doing it. Even though I do like the card, I do like the UFC London card. I feel like those guys should should, should have been right there at the top of the list of people to be on that card. And maybe Nathaniel Wood gets one of these, like, he gets the rub later on. Like, Nathaniel Wood goes to Rio Rancho. Maybe he's even headlines a London card uh, down the road. Maybe this is like the UFC asks him for a favor. They'll say, if you win this fight, we'll, we'll put you in a more prominent place on a London or Manchester or whatever card. Uh, I do still think, and I'll beat this drum, I'll keep beating this drum, Holly Holm or Kel Pennington, too, should have headlines the Rio Rancho card, Holly Holm. You say Nathaniel Wood is synonymous with London. Holly Holm is synonymous with uh, New Mexico. Uh, she's not only trains there. Like, John doesn't, like, he trains in Albuquerque, but he's from uh, New York, uh, right? New York. Uh, 
Like Holly Holm has had the vast majority of her boxing fights in in New Mexico. So this fight, that fight should have been fi- the five round main event, or even if they stuck it in the co main event just to sell tickets. I thought that that would have been cool. If they, I get that they might want Corey Anderson and John Blackfish to be a five round fight. Uh, so if they just stuck Holly Holm in the co-main event, cool. Or if they had put Corey and Jan at UFC 247 in the fight leading into the two title fights and moved Juan Adams, Justin Taffet down to the prelims, I like I would have liked that too. So they would have the light heavyweight number one contender and the light heavyweight title fight all on the same card. Embedded would have been a lot more interesting with Corey Anderson and John Jones and Dominic Reyes walking around bumping into each other. I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah. But now the fights are happening, and I, I like the fights. Uh, no matter where they are, but I agree with you. A little bit of, uh, to quote the former host of this live chat, promotional malpractice. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, I had a point that I wanted to make after that, but I just forgot what it was, so I apologize. Welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Looking at Twitter still, you can still use hashtag the ASAN on Twitter. Uh, uh, should there be, oh, from Jerry McCarthy, another longtime commenter. Should there be formal peer reviews of judges and judges? Wow as my phone starts to ring uh should there be formal peer reviews ah what's all happening to my computer right now oh god I'm you're sorry, all good jerry. i can see i'm you. sorry jerry mccarthy uh should there be formal peer reviews of referees and judges after every event in the big bigger promotions like there is in soccer and rugby these are non-contentious and serve mainly to educate rather than punish the less strong officials end up not getting main events. So, Pizzi, what, what would you say to peer reviews uh, in MMA judging? Peer reviews? Are we talking about someone having to justify what they've done on a scorecard? I think he might mean, like, other judges reviewing judges. Maybe, like, saying, like, oh, I don't, I don't quite understand because I don't know how rugby and soccer does it. Uh, but mm. would you want – I think judges should – should, if it's controversial like that, I would not be opposed to the judges answering questions and justifying why they gave John Jones four rounds. Absolutely, and and to be honest, the best commission commissions in the world they do actually ask people to um, justify their cards post event. Um, I know some judges, and they are asked by the the commission heads, "Why did you score this fight this round?" If it's any way not in like you know, if it sticks out. As uh, Joe Salas's cards have done in the past, um, I believe I saw um, Shaheen Al Shadi tweeting that um, you know I think he'd been involved in eight numerous, sp- split numerous decisions. Ones. Yeah, like yeah. eight eight split decisions out of ten fights or something. I, I don't know what it was. Something crazy, something outrageous. Anyway, um, good commissions will ask that man to justify that, um, and I do feel as though the best officials in the world are transparent. Uh, Mark Goddard, for instance, um, anytime that guy has had a questionable moment, he comes out and speaks to the media. We've seen Herb Dean do it in the past. Um, even um, Ben Cartledge, uh, the judge in Europe, has done it in the past, has justified his own cards. I feel like that's that's what we need. Um, we need to hear these people talking about it, and it will also calm the hysteria. Like they might, we have to we have to remember here. I saw about seven thousand podcasts. Uh, telling you how, how a fight is scored this week, and that's great, that's fine. But we need to see a judge kind of break it down. Like, um, and look, these guys, there are brilliant judges out there. There are fantastic judges out there that do brilliant, brilliant work. That take their job absolutely very seriously, and they're disgusted to see 
the, the their profession dragged through the dirt when, when something like this happens in, in Houston. Um, UFC should be, like, the commission should be identifying who the best judges are in MMA. Having boxing judges overlooking MMA fights is absolutely ridiculous in this day and age. You're going to tell me in the biggest state in America you can't find a few judges who solely deal in MMA to, to judge these fights? I think that's the problem. It's, a, it's overlooking simple things that could uh, result in a far better officiating process on fight night, I believe. I agree. Uh, I could not have put it any better myself. I know baseball has done a few things like that, where if it's a controversial call, a umpire will kind of explain like what, like baseball is a little more cut and dry. It's not as subjective as MMA, obviously, but like if they were not, if they were looking, I, I think it was when the Red Sox and Cardinals played in the world series, like one, it was, umpire, yeah, yeah. when um, one umpire was looking this way, and something was happening behind him, he was, like, yes. explaining why he was looking that way. I don't have to tell you I remember. that, though. Right. I remember that. From remember. Daniel Pompilio on Twitter, uh, what will UFC fighters wear once the Reebok deal is over? Hopefully lots of fun shit again because Reebok sucks. I, I don't like it at all. It's terrible. Like, I, I actually... I hate when, when uh, I see a regional fighter from Europe um, forging a personality... And, you know, having their own style, having their own thing going. And then you're like, oh, you've, inevitably you're going to the UFC and all this is going to stop. And that's and that's basically why it is at this stage. Um, everybody knew it was going to do it before they came in. They haven't spent enough time um, building brands around the fighters and working with specific athletes. Like, they're always saying, oh, yeah, look at this T-shirt we made. It's exactly the same framework as every other T-shirt with a different symbol on it. Like, I know we've had some good ones. Stylebenders was really cool for the Melbourne fight. But it's all right. One good T-shirt, come on, man. Like, I think it's. I, I I hope it goes out so we can get a bit more style going into the octagon. To be honest, I have no idea what it's gonna be. My gut says Under Armour, but I say I only say that because uh, when Wiley Zhang was won the belt, a lot of Under Armour athletes were tweet were tweeting at her congratulations. Like, just I'm like, is that a coincidence? Like, The Rock. Uh, Tom Brady, like a lot of Under Armour sponsored athletes were tweeting at this new champion. So that's literally this. That's just a gut feeling, but I have well, that, no is, knowledge. Is that not WIME, something to do with them exactly. or whatever? WME, IMG, I believe whatever also. I don't know the exact thing, but don't they own some stake in Under Armour or whatever? They're, they represent uh, those fighters. So I don't know. I have no idea. That's just my gut feeling. Uh, I know Under Armour. I hope I they're mean, able to. I hope we're able to make money again and get sponsors on your shorts and do all that fun stuff. Like, I mean, it, it's, you know, these guys are solid traders. They have to be able to sell themselves at the end of the day and making them all look like carbon copies of each other isn't a great way to do that. It's counterintuitive towards, you know, self-promotion. Yeah, and like Connor having the tattoo, like he has his logo tattooed on his arm. I remember when that logo came out, like I knew who Connor McGregor was when I was covering. If I remember thinking like if I wasn't a journalist, I would wear that hat. Because I like that the the Fighting Irish logo. I think it was like like the Connor the doodle he had of the the Fighting Irishman. Connor, who, what's his second name? Connor. It's a young cat named Connor McGregor. He's pretty good. He's pretty relevant in your neck of the woods. I'm looking forward to looking this guy up and learning yeah. all about him. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. you might uh, uh, you might stumble upon a few uh, uh, things that might shine you away from him. But nonetheless, do your research, Pizzi, uh, <laughs> considering you know nothing about Connor McGregor. Uh, another question from Sean Denny as we close in on the end of time. Come on, uh, Denny. What I said that very ominously. What are must-haves in your event travel bags? Uh, uh, baby whites in case I get a dose of the shits. Sure. 
Sure. That's that's essential for me. PT also needs uh, an entire bag of makeup brushes or makeup yeah, sponges. Well, exactly. In case, you know what I mean? In case I get any spots or whatever. You know what I'm in saying? In case you break your face. <laughs> what the, what is do you have anything that's essential though like that you'll you'll put in your bag before you go do you bring a comic book to every event uh i bring one graphic novel for the plane ride and then i always stop at a local comic book store and oh, buy yeah. two or three graphic novels so i don't want to i don't want to bring a lot of books to read because i know i'm also going to bring a lot of books back so this past trip to houston i brought volume two of 20th century boys and then i went to third planet i want to say which two ufcpr people text me being like there's a comic book store connected to the fighter hotel i was like oh god <laughs> no so way, like was it? at media day we finished media day and casey and casey and esther were like jose you should probably go check out that store good store didn't like all the rules there were rules everywhere saying don't touch this don't remove from shelf call for help i'm like you guys take yourself way too seriously for a comic book store and you'd know, let's be honest, is that a bit too uh It's too much. And you? like every single, like these books behind me, imagine if every single book was in a plastic sleeve. Like a book. Right. Not yeah. a com- not a floppy, not a not a not a back issue, like a, co- a graphic novel in a plastic bag on the shelf. So you can't pull it out and like sift through it. You basically just have to look at the cover. And then they're like, if you drop this book, you have to buy it. I'm just like, you guys are... What the f... I don't. I didn't understand it. I didn't like all the rules, and there seemed to be an older gentleman following me around while I was in there, <laughs> like making sure I wasn't breaking the rules. Like they took themselves way too seriously, and they were like, "No!" And they sold toys too. Like a lot of comic book stores sell toys and figurines, and they're like, "We do not accept returns. If your toy is broken when you buy it, it's up to the uh, company that made the toy to give you your money back." Or like, if the book is missing, if the book is ripped. Take it up with the publisher. I'm like, you guys have a lot of cool stuff in here, but you're taking the fun out of buying books. I'm sorry. Maybe they just get robbed an awful lot. That's what that sounds like, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know how they strange. would be robbed. Like, they're, it was a very, like, they, if, they, if someone stole something from the back and they ran out, they would basically run out onto a freeway. Like, there's no way that they get robbed that many times. But that's neither here nor there. The comic book store in Las Vegas is very good. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, you got anything else on Twitter that you're seeing? Um, no, I have. I have. I think I have one from the great Casey. Hit me. Let me just make sure that this is for public consumption. <laughs> All right. It seemed like a lot of respected media say that round two and three were close rounds that could have gone either way. So that so by that logic, a four-one scorecard is justified. So why are people hung up on the judging in the main event if all the scorecards are justified and not considered a robbery? Say it again. It seems like a lot of respected media say that rounds two and three were close rounds that could have gone either way. So by that logic, a 4-1 scorecard is justified, as in it's not a robbery because if there's two swing rounds, yeah, yeah, someone yeah. could potentially have a 4-1. Who's saying so, it, who else is saying round two is close besides John Anik? I haven't I seen know. I, I haven't know. seen too many. I, I don't. I think John winning three to two. I wouldn't call it a robbery because we're both in agreement that round three was very close. Like mm. if you, if someone argued with me that John won round three, I would say fine. Like I don't have an issue with your. It's round two for me that I don't think is close. Uh, so I don't well, know. I, I don't know too many outside of Mike Jackson and John Anik that scored four to one for John. 
I think Casey's saying, like, why is everyone hung up on the main event instead of the likes of Lee and Murphy? You know, something it's like the that. Title. Maybe it's that. the title. It's John Jones being the greatest fighter of all time. It's it's the championship. It's being it being five rounds. Uh, it's more eyes were on it. Like, yes, we both I, I said at the beginning, like uh, Andrea Lee versus Lauren Murphy in terms of discrepancy between the judges, the fans and the media was way different than John uh, Reyes. Like John Reyes, I think at the time there was a lot of people that thought Reyes won. But since it's calmed down, I've, I'm seeing a lot more people come out of the woodwork saying John won. I don't see a lot of people at all saying Lauren Murphy won. Uh, so if you're in, in terms of how like the biggest, the most egregious error, Murphy Lee is by far the weirdest one because like again, zero media scored it for Lauren Murphy on MMA decisions, and half of them said she didn't win a single round. So that to me is a little more out out of control. But the fact that it's John Jones losing or John Jones winning that makes it that much more controversial. Andre Eel, 30-27 card against Marcinez. What did you think of that? Uh, I thought it was weird. Uh, same thing. Yeah. It's the same judge that gave uh, uh, Chavin Joe Giles round, round two, round one against James Krause. He found himself stuck in a red naked choke for like four minutes, and then apparently that's enough for him to win the round. Uh, it's I don't get it. Uh, I know Dana White. Dana White was oddly. Uh, did you watch Dana White's post-fight press conference? I, I saw bits of it. I had it on a loop, so I was watching them all. So you know what I mean. Like I was, yeah, I was paying particular attention to Shevchenko though, because we had the interviewer that day. So um, I don't. It's it's a different Dana than we've seen lately. Like Dana White, we talked about him before. It came out and just like threw George St. Pierre under the bus. Like Dana White has been known to say some ridiculous things after fights, but then after this one, he goes, "We're not judges, guys." Like, it's just, we don't make the rules. Like, we, we have to educate them. Like, I didn't hate anything Dana White. Like, usually I leave a press conference being like, Dana White just said the dumbest thing ever. I don't think he said anything dumb at this post-fight press conference. It was much more uh, promoter talk than Dana White talk. Do you think that they will be reluctant to go back to Houston? Texas in like, general, maybe. Maybe not a big title fight, but they ha- they can't not go to Texas. There's a massive market there. Hmm. Especially like if if Jeff Neal and starts continues his ascension and Diego Fajardo continues his ascension, they both live and train out of Texas. They have these these superstars uh, at Fortis MMA. Like Uriah Hall has all of a sudden found new life at Fortis. Uh, I I they can't not go back, especially with this emergence of this new camp. I think Jeff Neal versus like say Michael Chiesa, if they had an event, another event in San Antonio or Austin, I think that's a great fight, fight night card. Uriah Hall, if he wins against Jacare, I think he's a great fight night card in Texas. Uh, so, no, I don't think it'll deter them. Maybe not a big title fight. Has has the the emergence of this – well, not the emergence, the, the the building of this Raider Stadium, do you think that's, that's done away with the fascination with Cowboy Stadium? No, no. I don't. Boy, not, what, what is that? What? Why is is Cowboy Stadium such a big one in comparison to any other stadium? Because it's is it a cultural thing? Is it an institution? It is like, a cultural thing. Like the Dallas Cowboys are America's team. I don't like the Cowboys. They haven't to me. They haven't been America's team in a long time. But the Dallas Cowboys, I think, are the most famous football team around the world. Uh, really? It is. I think. So, I believe so. I bet more people know about the Dallas Cowboys than any other team. Maybe the, Patriots, the Patriots. Maybe the Patriots now, but like the Dallas Cowboys are one of not only the most famous, but they are mo- one of the uh, 
they are worth the most, I believe. Like the the brands of the Cowboys is worth is massive. There's a lot of fans that of the Cowboys that have never been to Dallas. Uh, like for te- like a lot of uh, co- like states like that don't have a team, they just default the Cowboys for a long time. Uh, that stadium is beautiful. It is so nice. The like they did the NBA All Star game there once, and the jumbotron was bigger than the basketball court. Holy shit! It is the biggest <laughs> jumbotron I've ever seen in my life. Like the if you put like Connor versus like I don't know Masvidal in there, which I think would do, which I think could be a fight they could fill that place up. Uh, the the their picture on the jumbotron would be bigger than the actual fight. Like it would be an eight foot tall Conor McGregor, like on the screen. It's crazy. It's so big that like if you watch like NFL punters warming up, they have like they try to hit the jumbotron because it's so low. Fuck. It's so it's so big. It's so cool. Plus, it is in Texas. It's super close, which is not super close, but it's close to it's close enough to Mexico that you have that Hispanic market too. So like like boxing and everything. Well, Masvidal and Conor would be wild there then, right? Because like I know, I yep. know he's from Cuba, but he has he has a, a definitely reverberate with the Mexican people, right? Like I remember yeah, he showed his, up Hispanic with people in general. It's also yeah. indoor. It's also indoors. Uh, so yeah, like if you had like the 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 Miami has that beautiful stadium, like MetLife Stadium in in New, in New York, New Jersey is a beautiful stadium, but uh, it's an indoor stadium. Uh, it's it's a beautiful sta- It's it's beautiful. This Vegas one is going to do really well. That they're also building an LA stadium for the Rams and the Chargers, where they actually they just announced WrestleMania is going to be there next year. So, uh, I think these will all be all on par in terms of aesthetics and feel and crowds and everything. But the the Cowboys brand is just bigger, and it being it, it, I feel like that's been the crown jewel for so long that that would have to be the first big stadium. It's like Masquerade Guard isn't the greatest arena by any means. But it's just that it's Madison Square Garden that makes it special, mm. if that mm. makes sense. And we could go to Four Flags if if we do get an event there as well. Is that what you, yeah, Four Flags, right? Yeah, uh, what Casey a place. and Esther. I told Esther that, and she could not stop laughing. <laughs> I genuinely thought it was called Four Flags. We it's all five know. Fla- it's, it's 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 nine flags, right? Nine nine of them. Six flags over Texas, sir. Yeah, and nine flags is the name of the amusement park, right? Sure. Why not? Why not? You need but to go and get sleep. We've run over time, of course, because we had a blast. Sorry, we couldn't get to everyone's questions. I'll remember some of them for next week. Uh, but uh, as per usual, Pizza Carol, the floor is yours for any promo you want to cut. We need to stop the civil war between MMA fighting podcasts, uh, Jose Youngs and Noel McGrath, before there is bloodshed, before. Someone loses a great life coach. We need to end this beef. We need to. Noel is becoming more violent in his messages towards you. And, yeah, I saw that. And I'm just afraid there's going to be blood spilled, and we're going to lose one of these great podcasts uh, because, as most people know, I can't do these things by myself. They literally have to type in words onto my WhatsApp and tell me what to say every time. So I need to just end it all. I want an end to Jose and Noel's beef. And I think the people should get behind us and, and think of ways maybe that they could resolve this. So if you could tweet Jose and Noel and suggest maybe things they could do together to build a relationship, that would really make me very happy. And, of course, you know, 
if there is one particularly great idea, maybe we'll try and make it happen somehow. Uh, so let's just try and do that. Let's think of ways that will bring Jose and Noel together. They're very different people. So let's try and think about what type of common ground they could meet on to uh, become the great friends. I'm sure they will be in the future. Someone did ask on, on Twitter, uh, when will we <laughs> see the most anticipated fight of 2020? The Westmeath warrior, Jose Youngs, and the Kildare killer, Niall McGrath. <laughs> Listen, it's it's the mansions of South Dublin against the fields of Westmeath. It's uh, it, it's the fight that everyone's waiting for, to be honest. So what, you're saying to... Is, so what you're saying is I, Jose Youngs, the champion of the people, will be going up against someone pretending to be from Dublin? I think I'm, this is what I'm gathering. <laughs> He's from Kildare. Most people know that. But um, most people don't know that, should I say. And he, he got, um, you know, they moved to like the, the rich part of Dublin now. And they're trying to separate themselves from their former past. But I'm just trying to add to the backstory here. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, Youngs versus McGrath. I don't personally want to see it. I want to see an end to all this stuff. But, yeah, I, I believe it is a fight that captivates the nation. Listen. If Nile Maybe wants, more so than McGregor Duffy too. Listen, if Nile wants to just sit down, break bread, I'll teach him how to read, and then we can, <laughs> and then we can put this behind me. Because once he learns, once he literally finally learns like grammar, then we then we can then we can be friends. You know that's gonna take way too long. That's one true. of us could be dead. Before He's gonna then. have to put down the beer and sandwich first. <laughs> I don't even know where that. I don't even know where half of these things come from. I'm just assuming. <laughs> what's, your, what's your promo my promo i was going to talk about laura murphy uh v and andrea lee uh because i thought casey convinced me there that that was like i didn't know that that many judges scored it for andrea lee or that many media members scored for andrea lee until after the fact and i was like whoa yeah because i missed that fight uh because i was interviewing kamara usman uh backstage um so Alex Savis uh, interviewed Lauren Murphy. And I thought she did absolutely great. It was great working with her. My promo will be, uh, guess who said he would love, it's not even a promo, it's a nice little plug. Guess who said he would love to be on the A-side sometime? I literally just wrote down that man's name because I was like, shit, I better ask Jose about this. It's Captain Crystal, I believe. Captain Crystal, Jared Cannonier was backstage doing what guest about that pirate, that Oh, yeah. Is where, oh I go, God. I was like, I... I Oscar Willis, our good friend over at the Mac Life, was looking at me, just be like, don't ask. Don't ask. And I was like, what's up with this pirate you got around your neck? He was like, let me tell you. Did you see his face like light was, up when I... It is the most animated I've ever seen Jared Cannonier, including the time that he went to Brazil to fight Anderson Silva and he had no luggage when he arrived in the country. So that's yep. how... That was the best question there. So what, what's Oscar's beef? You know, what his I mean? face lit up, and then he started to talk about like energies. And not only I don't know if you because you might have missed it from our camera angle. He was talking about his pyrite, and while he's talking about his crystals, he took two more crystals out of his pocket, and he was holding them in his hands. And I was like, "This guy rules." And then Oscar was looking at me the whole time, being like shaking my head. I'm like, "This is now in all of your scrums. You're welcome." Yes. You know what I mean? It's You're the ASO takeover. Taking over, slowly but surely. And then I went and I told him about, because uh, he doesn't use, he's not on Twitter ever. So I told him how Jessica does the key, crystal keys to victory and how Jared Cannonier has kind of become a fan favorite on our show. And he's like, really? I had no idea. So uh, let him know that you want to see him on the A-side because he said he's down if we can figure it out. You know, we make all our dreams come true. Make all our dreams come true. Did you see his interview with Aaron Bronstetter? Um, refresh my memory. What was it about? Uh, 
Aaron uh, Bronster at TSN is a good friend. He he watches the show sometimes, and he knows our love for the Crystal Talk. Uh, he gets all the since he's a broadcast partner, he gets all the one on ones backstage. He does and great stuff. Yeah, he's at brilliant. the end of his interview, he go. They were talking about crystals a little bit. He goes, "What is your favorite stone if you had to pick one?" And Jared Cannon without without Miss Gabby just goes earth and i was like yes yes and i stood up and that was great. aaron that was aaron came up yeah. and told me he goes you gotta watch my you gotta watch this clip and then he showed it to me and i was just like well yeah. done Deep. well done to jared and jared uh and aaron so if you want jared on the show you let us know also i talked to jose shorty torres who's going to be in the brave uh flyweight tournament he's also a big fan of the show he said he would love to come on too so maybe we could get three people on the are show are they doing a tournament braver mm-hmm. brave is doing Roy- it Brave, uh, you can check out MAFighting.com because we broke the news. Uh, oh, my. It's uh, Jose Torres, uh, Mateus Nicolau, uh, the fighter he was supposed to fight in November that I can't remember. Amir Albazi? Amir Albazi. I don't think he was supposed to fight him. He was. Amir Albazi. He was meant to fight him, and then he, he stopped uh, on the day, on two days before. His, fa- he said his, his father had passed, passed away. away. Yeah, and he was not. Yeah. He was going through some things, so. But uh, he's a, he's he's not that fight wasn't booked rematch. So if, if they both win, they'll fight for the championship, the the, cool. the inaugural flyweight championship. And uh, I guess Zach Makovsky's trying to throw his name into that too because he might have just signed uh, with one championship. Uh, but Jose Torres is a big fan of the show. Maybe he he can come on. We'll get a, a nice three man panel. But we're running way long on time for Jose. That is Pizzi. You can also find this on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. All that fun stuff because people always say, hey, we don't watch, we listen. Go watch it and listen to it. Do everything. But we're out. Stop the MMA fighting podcast Civil War. Thank you very much. This is a protest song. A song. Anyway, (laughs) hasta luego, everyone. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.